You're listening to the Driven by Design Now Awards podcast. I'm Mark Bergen, the founder of Driven by Design, and joining me is Kirsten Mann. Hey, Mark, how are you? Kirsten, I'm fantastic. Now, now I believe you've got some news about we we love boards and we love what ex, uh, how executive design's working. You're heading off to Harvard, is that right? Well, yes, I've found out that um, I'm actually going to be going and doing a program which focuses on board leadership and specifically covers things like strategic stewardship, performance measurement, financial oversight, but also how do you drive strategic organisational transformations. So it's pretty, it's going to be interesting. That's pretty awesome. And listeners, if you're interested about boards and design, make sure that you listen to our Design in the Boardroom series that we've got. There's 40 voices from around the world from global design leaders talking about how design and the boardroom is working. Obviously, Kirsten's the master at no, this. I don't know about that, but maybe Kirsten, we'll love to this. <laughs> let's get into then. This is Collection 16 for the Now Awards. We've got and, five oh, projects that we're going to I'm talk excited, today. I'm excited about today's projects. But I, somebody picked me up. We often forget the other 20 projects I that know, are there. Those, I know. So, so these, are the, these are the five that took out gold and there's 20 projects that took out silver. So please take some time to go look at the full collection online. But, but what I love about these projects, right, is we keep on, and you're banging on about this all the time, about designing a better future. These embody that concept, which is what's really exciting. And and with that, the idea of the better future, you know, we all hear about 5G and I've been talking for a long time about the grandchildren's grandchildren. Mm-hmm. That's five generations. Mm. So if you're a little bit over the technology 5G, maybe the 5G that you have to think of is five generations of the future. And that helps give you a really good longitudinal perspective about the decisions you're making. I think you're going to see that in the projects that we've got, uh, got here today, listeners. So let's kick off our first project is the living seawall. Now, when I first saw this, it sounded vaguely familiar, right? Because the concept is basically, we've spoken about this before, it's very hard for living sea life to attach itself to concrete or um, slash cement. Yeah, and and so there's an interesting thing in nature. Nature isn't smooth. Mm. Nature is generally, it's got, you know, crevices and nooks and crannies if you go think of a rock under the sea or a bit of coral and they grow onto things and and what happens when we put concrete in water is that we go put smooth concrete and the biological environment is then basically killed because there's nothing for it to attach to and so the previous project that we looked at uh, was saying well for new infrastructure in the sea let's go make sure it's got the ripply um, 3D sides. kind of printing yep. thing. And this is doing it for existing though. It is. And and so it's a, an interesting project where the team at Volvo who have an understanding about how to do lots of 3D printing because that's where originally 3D printing started in the automotive world. Um, the Sydney Institute of Marine Sciences, the North Sydney Council and the Reef Design Lab got together and said, how do we go take our current underwater infrastructure and put something on it using recycled three, uh, 3D printed plastics and that's what the living seawall is. And see, this is this is what's fascinating because this is a problem globally, right? And instead of just focusing on new projects, exactly as you said, they're saying, look, we've got a lot of existing sea areas that we're going to have to think about. How do we actually address that? So that's what I really love about this. It is thinking about how we do this that then enables a better future for the next generation. Absolutely. And, the, and that's great to see that people are actually taking that longitudinal perspective, not mm. just current expenditure, not just current benefit, but something that actually evolves over time. So why don't we jump into our next project here, Kirsten, which is? It's the Shanghai Grand Opera House. 
Now, there's an interesting thing about opera houses and the development of societies that they come in a second or third wave of development. You, you don't put an opera house in... As the first thing no, in, a, in no. an area. <laughs> no. and, and, and which is absolutely devastating for people in the arts because they believe that the arts is actually what drives society. Something about a Winston Churchill quote about if we're not protecting the arts, then what are we fighting for, which but, they bring but out. the point is it comes eventually, right? It does because generally... Opera houses are need need to be funded through the tax receipts that are coming into the city. So you get skyscrapers and things first. Yep, skyscrapers, economic activity, and then you wind up with this phase, which is the amenity for the public and the cultural layer that comes in there. So we've got the Shanghai Grand Opera House, which has been done by Snowheader and ECADI. It's a proposed project at this point hasn't been built, but it's been announced and it is stunning. And see, this is one of those ones where you need to go to the site if you want inspirational design and this is it at its best. It's such grand scale thinking and what and it actually has a stairway to heaven or to nowhere. Well, actually it does. And and so, and what I really like about this, and we've seen it with several of Snowheader's projects, you know, they understand human scale. And they and an important thing that an opera house is meant to go do is it's meant to put you in awe. It's at the cathedral of cultural entertainment mm. and they've captured that. And people are allowed to crawl over this site. There's these beautiful, you know, um, uh, uh, helix staircases that are in it, massive windows. You couldn't help but actually be amazed and when you go to the site. Exactly. And the sad thing is the future generations will just take this for granted once oh, it's, it's like done, it's a, right? It's like the Opera House in Australia. You know, uh, kids these days, they look at it and they go, it's always been there. Yeah. But I remember when it was being built. Gee. Oh, <laughs> Maybe we should move to the next project. Oh, Thanks, Kirsten. All right. So let's go across to Brooklyn here, and we're going to go. We're going to go both step forward in time and also step back in time. Now this is this is another one of those really interesting designs that they're kind of working through at the moment, and people would be familiar with concepts like the High Line in New York now. I think. Yeah, and and so this is this is from the Barker Ingalls Group. And it's a, it's a proposed concept for the Brooklyn Queens Park um, area. Now, for people who are familiar with that part of New York would know that it goes back to when Moses was in charge of building infrastructure <laughs> and, he, and he went and he put this massive freeway that divided that part of the city. So let's be frank, it's pretty ugly, right? It's, it's a scar. Yeah. It's referred to. <laughs> but what it, what's interesting about this is we, we saw the High Line, which was some fellow transport infrastructure, which was then repurposed. And in many ways that was because of a passionate group of people and was accidental. Mm -hmm. This is purposeful and it's major infrastructure and it's creating new parklands. So it's basically taking these public infrastructure spaces and repurposing them with parklands and things. Yeah, and, and the Brooklyn and Queens area has lots of areas where there's transport infrastructure, where there could be some value capture done on it. In this case here, the value capture is let's go and create a green space. The the important thing is that we actually say, well, sometimes you want to do value capture, which is new buildings. Other times you want to create other public amenity and public realm infrastructure. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful project and it's the type of thing that, again, in future generations are going to look back at it and say, but wasn't it always that way? And we can say, no, it wasn't. And you'll have the photos of the before and after on your site. Now, 
this is another one where we kind of say, haven't we heard about something similar to this? Now, this is the Biosolo Bio Solo Leaves Project. Yeah, and, and what's interesting about this is this is in the last six months we've seen several projects that have come out which are talking about how do you use algae mm. We had the, the annual algae panels. The, the algae panels which were about creating biofuel. Mm-hmm. This one here is actually about how do you create sustainable produce for, for food inclusion. And it's it's really clever because if you think about the way that solo panels work where really anywhere where you could lay PV cells for solar power, you could do the same with these algae plates as well. Yeah, and so what's interesting here is that we've got an opportunity to begin to think about maybe PV isn't or photovoltaic panels aren't required on mass scale in the future. There might be an alternative energy. But those sites, those big flat surfaces Mm. could be turned turned over to be food production or people decide to go do a mix of a couple of factories. One building is food production, the other is energy production. And the beautiful thing with this is it's scrubbing the air. Well, that's it. Sequesting CO2 is an important thing. And this becomes sustainable CO2 because what we're concerned about is, um, say, heritage CO2, which is fossil fuels, which is in the ground and we're releasing. But if you've got a cycle of capturing CO2, then consuming it in, in food, which then means it gets released, you've then got a sustainable carbon cycle, which is different than taking heritage carbon and releasing it and never sequestering it or capturing it, which is where we've got our, our climate crisis coming from. Yeah, and so this addresses that directly and ultimately is about designing a better future. Absolutely. So I'm now going off to IKEA. Well, no, it feels like we've kind of been talking about IKEA a lot in our last couple of podcasts. So IKEA in the last three to five years decided that there was going to need to be some accelerated innovation that they got involved in. So this was three to five years ago. Three to five years, that's what it takes. Yeah, and now we're actually seeing the fruits of that labour. They've done the groundwork, they put things in place and really the amount of innovation that is coming out of IKEA at the moment is astounding. And so what they're doing is they're taking um, applied science and technologies and they're putting it into their product range. In this case here, how do we use a textile which is actually going to purify the air in in an apartment? So it's another version. We just talked about this scrubbing the air. It's another version of that where they've actually said, okay, not just about outside, how do we do this within spaces? And we sometimes see this with vertical gardens inside buildings and things, right, at a smaller scale. This is kind of saying you could have this in your apartment. Yeah, and I think what's interesting with IKEA is, and I've seen a range of the projects that are coming through it's how do you actually enhance the living space that people Mm. are in they've got a project that uh, that they've done with tom dixon which is uh, about um, gardens and farming inside your inside your home food production at a local scale Mm -hmm. which is incredibly carbon efficient because you don't get all of those carbon you know transport miles in there it's also very water efficient and, and I've been impressed with IKEA's direction, which is we want to be involved with people's lives. We know the living spaces that they're in. Let's see what we can do with some accelerated innovation, some disrupted innovation to go and actually bring that better future around. Well, and that's why there are project gold at this week isn't it It but (laughs) listeners i do recommend go look at all of the projects that we've awarded all 25 projects that are part of the collection 16 
if you've got some time, go back and look at the other collections. I think you'll actually realise that we're showing you that tomorrow is already here in many cases. And there's that lovely William Gibson quote, you know, the future's here, it's just not evenly distributed. I think that's what we're capturing in these awards programs. So take your time, have a look at them and make sure you're sharing it with people and that they're getting, getting an opportunity to also peek into what the future is. Thanks, Mark. Kirsten, thank you. Listeners, we'll see you next month.